Moses stood before the people of Israel and looked out over the sea of faces. He was now 120 years old. The lines on his face bore testament to the fact most of those had been difficult years. He had led Israel for the past four decades, and the burdens had taken their toll. God supernaturally led Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness, but (laughs) the people were not very kind to Moses. They seemed to respond to every miracle with a brand new, fresh complaint. At this moment, they were gathering on the plains of Moab because things were about to change. Those grumblers and complainers were dead and buried in the desert sands, and in their place stood a new generation ready to claim the land God promised to Abraham. But before they crossed the Jordan and entered into the promised land, Moses knew they needed to be reminded of how they arrived at this moment in time. So as he prepared to address the people, Moses' mind wandered back to one more desert experience, one that occurred decades earlier. He had been on the far side of the wilderness tending his paw-in-law's sheep when he encountered an unusual sight that changed his life forever. He saw a bush that was burning but did not burn up, and God called to him and called him on this divine mission. And Moses argued with God, but in the end he finally obeyed. He left the wilderness, headed for Pharaoh's palace, armed with just a staff and the power of God. And from that point forward, Moses' life was never the same. Now the people he led were at a similar place. They were gathering there, preparing to leave the wilderness and enter the land God promised them. Just as it had been for Moses, the wilderness was a place of testing. And unfortunately, an entire generation failed that test and never made it out of the wilderness. Moses shook his head in disgust at the thought. As Moses began to speak, his words echoed across the desert. He reminded the people of the failure of their fathers and how they didn't believe God was able to deliver the promised land into their hands. They had given into fear. They demanded a change in leadership, returned to Egypt, and they got none of that. Moses didn't fully understand God's plan at the time. But now, looking back with the benefit of hindsight and wisdom from those accumulated years, Moses understood God's promise and God's purpose for those wilderness wanderings. We rarely like the wilderness, rarely understand the wilderness, but God has a purpose even for the wilderness. And we're going to hear all about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you are listening to the God's Word for Life Companion podcast. I hope all is well for you. I hope you have survived Winter Storm Landon. Sounds harmless, but he certainly dropped a lot of snow and ice all over these United States. Today's episode comes from the lesson on February 6th, 2022, and it is entitled Propelled into Purpose. So if you have your student guide, would you turn there with me? Or if you're just listening, then just listen, and I'll be glad to read this to you. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 4, verse number 1. We're jumping testaments from Moses all the way to Jesus. We've made it through most of the Bible in just less than four minutes, so we're making good time. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, 
returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, Jesus' lineage included a long line of prophets and preachers whose ministries developed in the desert. If you were to run Jesus' Ancestry.com, you would see a lot of people in his ancestry spent a lot of time in the desert. His cousin John the Baptist, he spent a lot of time in the wilderness preparing for his divine assignment. John was in the wilderness when the word of God came to him. John was lunching on locusts and wearing camel hair to church. John's time in the wilderness was the precursor to a ministry that captured the attention of an entire nation and earned the displeasure of King Herod. Now it was Jesus' turn. But this was not a weekend wilderness getaway, an escape from the hustle and bustle of life. Jesus would face a fight with an enemy that would launch the most powerful ministry the world has ever witnessed. Jesus turned temptation into triumph and showed us how to do the same. As New Testament believers, as disciples of Jesus, we have the privilege of having God's Spirit dwell within us. But even having the Spirit of the Almighty, eternal God living on the inside does not exempt us from temptation. If Jesus, God in flesh, faced temptation, get ready, it's coming. Jesus knew the dangers of temptation, so he taught us all to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, Matthew 6, verse 13. Deliverance from temptation and evil should be the subject of everyone's prayers. If we never pray about temptation, we probably aren't taking it seriously enough. Everyone will face it, including spirit-filled people. When Paul needed an illustration of the dangers of temptation, he had to look no farther than the story of God's original people, the children of Israel, in the wilderness. Even though God led them by his spirit, even though God led them by his man, Moses, Israel still faced temptation. They didn't have the temptations we face. They didn't have to face the temptation of the internet or Hollywood or billboards or posters or smartphones or screens to lead them astray. And yet, even without any of that, they were still overthrown in the wilderness, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Their story is recorded on the pages of Scripture as a warning to us that Paul said, if you think you stand, be careful. You might just fall. Now, have the temptations you face on a daily basis, have they changed as you grow, as you have matured as a Christian, or transitioned to different stages of life? Are they different? Are they the same? Temptation, whether they're different or the same, it doesn't matter. It's real and dangerous. But thankfully, we're not left to temptation's mercy. God is faithful. In his faithfulness and mercy, he provides an exit ramp off this highway of temptation. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when you are tempted... God will provide a way out so you can endure it. If we're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit will show us the way out of temptation. If we follow His lead, the Spirit of God can get us out of danger. He gives us strength to overcome and wisdom to avoid those compromising situations. Perhaps that's what Solomon had in mind when he wrote, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. In God's mercy, He can hide us from the evil that lurks in our path. Luke chapter 4 is our focus verse. Jesus endured a 40-day test of faith in the desert. He fasted for 40 days. And his opponent, his enemy, in that corner, weighing in at who knows how many pounds, was Satan himself. Not a delegate, not some other demon or some other horde of hell. It was Satan himself. 
the serpent who successfully brought down Adam and Eve in the garden, faced off against Jesus in the wilderness. You see, Satan understood who Jesus was. He understood he was the Son of God. He was the one who one day would crush Satan's head, according to Genesis chapter 3. So he was going to try to stop his ministry before it started. Now, Jesus worked many miracles throughout his time on earth, but he did not perform one single miracle during this little desert sojourn. Even though Satan challenged him to work miracles, Jesus relied on a weapon that we have at our disposal. He relied on the word of God. And in doing so, Jesus gave us the perfect example of how to overcome temptation by using the word of God. Centuries earlier, he successfully led Jesus' earthly ancestors astray during their sojourn in the wilderness, and he thought maybe the result would be the same. And Scripture doesn't specifically blame Satan for leading Israel off course after their exodus from Egypt, but we know he has been the enemy of God's people and God's plan since the beginning. He knew God's children had given into temptation, so now he hoped to tempt the Son of God into doing the same. He cloaked his deceptions in reasonable-sounding religious language. At one point, he even quoted Scripture. Did you know the devil reads the Bible? Now, this isn't surprising. Paul later wrote that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan is a master deceiver, which is why we must be filled with and led by the Spirit, not based on our feelings or how things look or sound, but what does the Spirit say? Now, Jesus, after he fasted, the Scripture says, I love this, and afterwards he was hungry. Indeed he was. So Satan tried to zero in, capitalize on Jesus' hunger. He offered Jesus the opportunity to just show off a little bit. Go ahead, Jesus, I know you're hungry. There's not a Publix out here in the wilderness. Why don't you do this? Turn that stone into bread. Eat up. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Strike one, Satan. So Satan wound up and pitched again. This time, he said, I tell you what, Jesus, let's go up to this high pinnacle. You cast yourself down, and your angels will catch you. It'll be a pretty amazing show. And Jesus said, it is written, don't tempt the Lord your God. Strike two, Satan. And Satan wound up, pitched one more time. And he said, look, Jesus, do you see all of that? All of those nations, all of those people. I'll tell you what, I will give you all of that, and all you have to do is bow down and worship me. That's it. Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Strike three, Satan, you're out. That was amazing to me to see how Jesus overcame temptation, not through miracles, not through wonders, but through the word of God. Winning this victory over temptation. It doesn't mean the devil won't try again tomorrow. We know he tried again. That's why we remain on guard. That's why we walk with God. We're filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. The Apostle Peter, who faced his own temptations, he said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, he's like a roaring lion. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. But him, we resist steadfast in the faith. And how do we do that? Well, we submit ourselves to God and through the word of God, we resist temptation. When Jesus battled with Satan, he drew inspiration from Scripture. Jesus clearly committed large portions of Scripture to memory. Obviously, he wrote it, so he knew the entire text by heart. These words proved to be the perfect antidote to Satan's deceptions. 
This moment in the wilderness might have been what the writer of Hebrews had in mind when he wrote, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus did not summon anything we don't have at our disposal. He didn't overcome temptation through some angelic intervention or some other supernatural display of power. He simply relied on the word of God, a resource available, a weapon available to every believer in our own moments of temptation or weakness. Long before Matthew wrote Matthew, the psalmist wrote, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11. The New Testament writers compared the word of God to a sword noting it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper even than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4, verse 12. There is no greater weapon that we can use in our wilderness moments of temptation than the Word of God. That is why knowing and obeying scriptures is absolutely key to winning in this battle against temptation. Now, here's what's strange. When Luke wrote this story, Luke wrote that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Interestingly enough, even when you're walking in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, you're going to go through some wilderness wanderings. You're going to go through some desert times. That doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. It might actually mean you're right in the middle of the will of God. But when Jesus left the wilderness, Luke wrote, he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. This entire ordeal, Jesus was being led by the Spirit. Even when we are led by the Spirit, and even when we wander into the wilderness, led by the Spirit, what the devil means for evil, God can use for good. If the Spirit of God leads us in the wilderness, we can be confident we're going to come out of it victorious. Satan fully intended to abort Jesus' ministry before it ever began. Instead, this temptation propelled Jesus into his purpose, into his calling, into a ministry that changed the world, that changed my life, that changed yours that caused you to listen to this podcast about Jesus and who he is and what he did. And when Jesus left the desert, the fame of him spread throughout all the region roundabout. Before this chapter was finished, new doors of ministry had already opened to Jesus, and Jesus performed many miracles, including healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law of a fatal fever. So how do we know we're being led by the Spirit? If we encounter opposition... That's probably a sign we're being directed by the Holy Spirit if the opposition is evil. Satan always resists somebody attempting to fulfill God's will. Our adversary will always try to get us to take the easy road, give in to our own desires, pursue earthly glory, make a name for ourselves, protect our own egos. But if we trust God, he can turn these same tests into our advantage and come out of this wilderness of temptation and trial stronger than we ever were, poised to fulfill the purpose and the promises of God in our lives. One more question. What wilderness experiences have made you a stronger Christian? And could you see that in those experiences you are still being led by the Spirit of God? All right, let's wrap this up. Nick Ripkin wrote a book called The Insanity of God. And it he told about a trip he took across China to visit the Christian believers in that nation. In one city, he shared a meal with a group of evangelists and church planners who had been instrumental in China's rapidly expanding house church movement. His host was a Chinese house church leader 
who introduced him to other leaders in the room, and they spoke briefly to a young man who Ripken guessed to be about 25 years old. When they were out of earshot, Ripken's host indicated the young man and whispered, He's going to be someone God can use in a powerful way someday. But you really can't trust what he says right now because he hasn't been to prison yet. Ripken learned that most veteran Chinese church leaders had spent some time in prison because of their faith or they knew someone who had. And he wrote, quote, They had come out of the experience with a much stronger relationship with the Lord. One of the house church leaders actually asked me, Do you know what prison is for us? It is how we get our theological education. Prison in China is for us like seminary is for training church leaders in your country. End quote. Some lessons we learn only by weathering the storms of life. If we want to be greatly used by God, we must allow His Spirit to lead us through the trials, the temptations, the tests. He knows will prepare us for the ministry He has for us. If God leads us into trouble, rest assured if you trust Him, He can bring you out of it. In the end, we will be a greater blessing to others and to the kingdom of God because of the victories we have won during our own wilderness times of testing. I'd like us to pray and ask the Lord to help us today. This is a tough lesson to hear that sometimes God leads us into temptation, but hopefully an encouraging lesson to hear that God gives us his word and his spirit to lead us out and through and make us victorious over temptation. Lord, I thank you today for leading us. I do pray you would continue to lead us where you want us to be, no matter where that is, no matter what trials or tests or temptations we may face. Help us, Lord, to look to your word, to be led by your spirit. Help us, Jesus, today to follow after you, to do what you are calling us to do. I ask you today, God, help us to trust your word and trust your spirit and give us the victory over temptation in our life. Make us more what you would have us to be, Lord. I pray, propel us into the purpose and ministry and calling you have for us, all for your glory. I ask you these things and praise you for even using evil for good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope this episode's been a blessing to you. Be sure to click on that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode and share with somebody so they never have to miss an episode and you can bless them as God's word for life has blessed you. We've got plenty of great resources to help you. Maybe you are dealing with temptation of whatever sort and stripe. We've got great resources to help you overcome temptation, obviously through the word of God and then through some real life tools, practical examples and stories of those who have faced it and fought it and won. You can find all of those at PentecostalPublishing.com. That's a great resource for you to find resources to help you in your walk and relationship with Jesus. Next week, we're going to take a look at the lesson dated February 13th, 2022. That's Valentine's Day Eve, and it is entitled, Not Stopped by Rejection. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.